When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two tabs on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. Hi, I'm Jeffrey, and welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. Autumn's here. What a treat. The leaves are golden and yellow and red and crunchy underfoot. I love how I get the world all to myself when rain starts to fall. And when the wind picks up, the smells of autumnal change are so delicious. Oh, and speaking of delicious, I've started making some soups. Spiced pumpkin, for one. Yum. (laughs) If you're not keen on winter, don't worry. Spring will be back around in no time. Come. Warm your hands beside the fire. And let me tell you of the evening I fashioned a den out of Devani's old paragliding kite and told her stories in the shadows I cast against it 
in the firelight. After months spent speaking to Nightfall's magic in vain, and dangling my ear into silence as I listened out for a response, that was the night that the magic of the falls finally spoke back to us. Before I begin my tale, why not take a moment to get comfortable and relax? Come to a neutral position and allow your eyes to gently drift closed. Draw a deep breath in. Hold it for a moment as you welcome the silence and stillness of the night into your body and exhale. This is your time to breathe, to be, to relax, to sleep. Allow your head and neck to fall back into alignment as your shoulders sink into the soft mattress beneath you. Release the muscles of your stomach and draw a deep breath in as you allow your hips to relax. Exhaling, feel your legs fall away from each other as the stress stored up in your hips and knees is released on the gentle tide of your out breath. Let the palms of your hands fall open as you draw a deep breath in. Exhaling, feel any last remaining dregs of energy drain from your body through your fingers and toes. Let it all go. The physical tension bound up in your body the emotional burden of the day, the thoughts that steal sleep from you. Drawing a deep breath in, welcome the need for rest into your body. Exhaling, allow it to sink beneath your skin and settle into your bones. Breathing in once more, feel that balm-like desire to rest and relax, smooth across your soul. Exhaling, release the day. Tonight, there is only you, in this very moment, drifting into a state of deep relaxation. Now, if you're feeling ready, tonight's story can begin. Day had ambled into night as gently as ever in night falls. The hours in which sunlight kissed the clearing passed just as easily as they had on any other day, though perhaps a little faster than I'd grown accustomed to. 
I busied myself about the lake, just as usual, washing the clothes that Otto had splattered with mud as he shook out his fur, tending to the fire, making sure that everyone was well fed, weeding the vegetable patch before their roots took hold and they managed to damage my crop. They were ordinary tasks, and generally, I toiled at them idly, the time ticking along slowly as I went about my work. That day, however, Devani accompanied me, bringing along with her the light and chatter that had been missing from that part of my daily routine. The oranges of autumn had flourished in full by then. The season's change was a breath of fresh and perhaps slightly crisper air. The leaves crunched underfoot when I wandered deep into the woods with Otto. And as I drank my tea beside the campfire and watched the sunrise each day, the morning's frost took a little longer to melt away in the autumn sun. My first full summer in nightfalls had been a wonderfully slow and lazy one, but I felt sure that autumn would be even slower. It was as though the world around me had been doused in gold. Amber, iron, and bronze seemed to be burnt into the leaves themselves. As the wind carried down the hillside and washed through the forest, I found that the leaves rustled a little differently in the autumn. There was an added crunch to the sound, a crispness about it that I found rather pleasing to the ear. I had made it my business to plant thick hawthorn hedges and holly bushes wherever I could, for I knew it would grant the birds a warmer place to nest in the winter months. I couldn't really imagine them nesting anywhere other than the trees, but I could sense that soon the last of the leaves would fall from those trees and leave their nests exposed. The birds that made their home on the clifftop would soon find the water flowing over those clifftops to be colder, and I didn't like the idea of them suffering through the winter. I rather welcomed the idea of having them stay a little closer down in the heart of the clearing, and I suspected I would be able to pick out the nuances in their evening chorus a little better by the time the summer rolled back around. Little red robins had finally flashed their bellies and arrived in the clearing just in time for fall. I knew the woods well by then and couldn't help but wondering where the robins might have been hiding all summer. For as is the case every year, I only managed to spot them once the leaves had begun to fall. Lyra had been teaching me to knit, 
and we had spent many an evening chatting over balls of yarn by the fireside. Our shared hobby had left me with an ample supply of heavy blankets that I was sure I'd be thankful for when winter came. I was learning to enjoy the simpler pleasures, the interests that people had kept in generations gone by, and the world had turned slower, and there wasn't the constant distraction of technology to occupy the mind. My grandmother told me once that when she was a child, she had often found herself on the receiving end of a lecture from her tutors for attempting to knit under the table during maths lessons. I'd always rather enjoyed that image, and I rather liked that I could have the hobby in common with her now. I had rekindled my creativity and taken up many a new hobby since I'd returned to Nightfalls. But I learned that day that love has the capacity to make even the most mundane, monotonous moments of life the tasks for which you allow your brain to check out and your body to continue toiling away without you. Exciting again. Devani had just that effect on me. Never had I so much enjoyed washing my clothes out in the rock pool as I did the morning she spent threatening to push me in every time I turned my back to her. I knew at that moment that I could go to supermarkets, read instruction manuals and watch paint dry with Devani, all while still having a rather excellent time. I was hanging my last sock out to dry when Devani pulled a great swathe of fabric from the bottom of her rucksack. She had spent the morning sorting through the bag and brushing away the dirt and dust that had gathered in it after months spent camping on different mountain peaks. The fabric was a deep purple with a small tear that had been darned together at the centre of it. It's my old paragliding kite, she explained. I don't suppose there will be much use in me keeping it now, Devani finished. Though perhaps it could no longer serve any practical use, I took it from her hands and bundled it into a ball nonetheless. For I found myself with an idea. Not a practical one, but then again, the best ones rarely are. I'd never really been much of a romantic. Perhaps because the ideas never seemed to strike me. Or maybe because, when they did, I always felt too embarrassed to act upon them. That night, beside the falls, was different. I wanted, at the very least, to give Devani back a little of the joy she had brought into my life since her return. So, after I rescued the old kite from her arms and bundled it up into my own, I carried it across the clearing to the fireside and set about building a den 
and I finally stepped away from my work. It looked rather like the blanket forts I'd built with childhood friends after school. I draped the kite over the trunk of a small tree and foraged for rocks to weigh down the corners of the kite and hold them out far enough that there would be space for Devani and I to sit inside. I asked the magic to bed the ground within the den with the softest of grass and pepper it with Devani's favourite wildflowers. The blue buttercup-looking ones she had pointed out on the walk down to Lyra's home the week prior. I asked, and I waited, never knowing if I had asked too much, or if, indeed, I had even been heard by the magic. Eventually, the grass began to flourish, and the wild flowers bloomed. Just as always, I thanked the magic, and I hoped that it could hear me. I'd spent a good deal of time hoping after an answer from the magic. By then, I just about knew it well enough to recognize that it had a character, and was not the silent force of earth and nature I had initially taken it for. When I first arrived in Nightfalls, I often sensed it was going out of its way to play tricks on me, and finding new ways to reveal its powers to me each day. Strangely, however, in the time that had passed since those first exchanges, I had not managed to garner a great deal more information about the content of its character. Did it have a name? Were there others like it? Could it be used by all, however and whenever it was wanted? Or was the power it shared with Lyra, Devani and I finite and to be expended only when necessity called for it? I often find myself wondering if the magic considered us friends. I'd come to think of Lyra, Anwin and Devani as a sort of chosen family by that point, for we had spent so much time together by the falls. Suppose the magic had been right there with us all that time, listening in, laughing along, cracking jokes, or playing tricks that caught our attention on occasion, but oftentimes went unnoticed. I wanted to believe that the magic had a better way of communicating with us, one we had simply yet to discover. Perhaps we didn't share a common language, but be that as it may, I wanted to make sure it understood how grateful I was for all of the gifts it had granted me. I carried some cookies that Lyra had baked just that morning into the den. I made a fresh jam to lather on top of them with wild berries I had foraged and strawberries that I had planted in my allotment at Devani's request. 
I laid out blankets that I had knitted with Lyra over the summer. When I knew that cooler weather was afoot and preempted my desire to stay cosy. The sun had almost completely set by the time the stage was set. Once I had managed to convince Tavani to close her eyes, I guided her by the hand into the den that I had created for us. I didn't realise until we were both inside and I had finally had time to sit back and enjoy the fruits of my labour that the firelight had begun to shine rather beautifully through the fabric of the kite, casting the interior of the den in rather sleepy purples and blues. When I asked Devani to open her eyes, she told me she no longer wanted to, I loved that about her. Her desire to be difficult, purely for the sake of it. I got the sense that she really rather enjoyed ruffling feathers. Devani had an answer for everything, an opinion on all, and a life to her eyes that I had seldom found elsewhere. When she finally relented, she opened her left eye just a crack and peered around the den. She must have liked what she saw, for suddenly both eyes were wide as they could be, and a smile had begun to tug at the corners of her mouth. She pulled one of the heavy blankets around her shoulders and helped herself to one of the cookies resting on a plate before her. We sat side by side, tucking into the freshly baked cookies and slathering them with strawberry conserve as though it were icing. Perhaps it was the heat from the fire ebbing into the den that helped me to relax. Or perhaps that was simply the effect that Devani had on me. I felt no butterflies sitting beside her. There wasn't an ounce of nervous energy about me, despite having made a gesture so grand. I'd felt sure that Devani would like it, and even more certain that she would have been kind about it, even if she did not. Safety hung in the silence between us. Perhaps for the first time in my life, I felt sure, sure of my next word, and sure of all the ones that might follow. With Devani, I knew my thoughts would be safe from the judgement that had turned words back into breath on my tongue, and bottled my thoughts back into my body years gone by. Devani felt like a deep sleep, a perfect silence, and the constant light that ebbs off of the campfire in nightfalls. 
I'd known that I was taken with her already. But as we split the remaining cookie, and the last of the evening sun disappeared beneath the horizon, I realized that my feelings had anchored themselves deep in the depths of love. It was a slow, Sunday kind of love, and one I hoped would be full of lazy afternoons, laughter, and long walks to nowhere in particular. Determined to tell her how I felt, I ducked out of the den and sat myself just outside, between the campfire and the side of the kite that it was casting its light through. I tried to tell Devani the story of our meeting with just my hands and the shadows I could cast on the kite with them. I asked her if she was watching as I hooked my thumbs together and formed a wing shape. In the shadows, I began to paint out the day Devani's kite had circled down into the clearing for the first time. I could hear her laughing inside. So I went on, acting out the night of her return and doing my level best to betray Anwin, Lyra and Otto as I could and all at once. I reminded her of the evening we had spent helping Lyra to forage for herbs same day that I'd picked a flower from the forest floor and handed it to her. I plucked a fresh wildflower from the ground at my feet, and I wasn't quite sure how I might go about pretending to be both Devani and myself at the same time. So I found myself rather relieved when I extended my hand and the magic of the falls was there to meet me in the middle and pluck the wild flower from my grasp. The falls magic had leaped up onto the wall of the den and twisted itself in the perfect image of Devani. I could see the silhouette it had cast on the fabric of the kite and feel its energy in the air before me. Suddenly, I began making my figure dance, and the magical silhouette of Devani followed suit. Entwined, our silhouettes twisted and turned across the wall of the den. Dancing had played no part in mine or Devani's story, but as I watched our silhouettes cross the deep purple of the kite, I knew I would do my level best to make sure it was a part of our future. I heard a gasp from inside the den as Devani watched the perfect imitation of her form dancing with my own. Soon, the magic was telling both sides of our story. 
I watched for a while as the shape of me greeted Devani's own shadow against the rich purple of the kite. It seemed so real. Perhaps because it had been. I felt myself being drawn back inside the tent to watch our journey play out. I wrapped a blanket around my shoulders as the magic continued to tell our tale. But not as I had seen it. The silhouette the magic splashed across the kite showed me the moments that I hadn't caught Devani watching me from across the lake. It cast the shadow of her paraglider soaring and swooping across the mountain range singing soft songs to the ground below as she replotted the route she had planned to take across the mountain range all so that she could arrive back here in nightfalls. From inside the tent I thought I caught Devani blushing. She caught me catching her. Her eyes met and at once snapped away. I felt my face flush a deep crimson. Laughter has a way of bubbling into a silence stretched tight and sitting there side by side we found we were unable to keep it at bay. I really like you, I professed and though perhaps it wasn't a full admission I knew that we both deserved a slow love before the falls. Devani deserved a lazy river kind of love. One that flowed eternally. Carved out its path slowly. And was rushed by no one. I like you too. She beamed back at me. With none of the bashfulness I had expected. And all of the openness and honesty I had ever craved from the people in my life. She puts her hand in mine, and as my fingers curled around her own, I felt her pulse jump at the sound of mine. After a few moments of perfect peace, the magic began to dance upon the side of the kite once more. This time the story was a little different. It had nothing to do with Devani or I. In fact, it seemed rather like the magic was introducing itself to us. Amalia, I read aloud as the letters scrawled themselves across the wall before us. Is that you? I asked. Amalia, is that your name? I couldn't help but press the magic for answers. The letters began to shine a bright green. The colour wasn't like any of the earthen greens I was used to seeing in the clearing. In fact, it wasn't like any I had ever seen. The magic continued, 
telling its story and showing us the games it played with Anwen in the early days of their time in Nightfalls. I'd begun to consider Anwen and the magic as one and the same, but as I let the force of the falls explain itself, it became clear to me that, though Anwen knew the magic well, she didn't share a consciousness with it. Anwen's understanding of the magical force she was born of had been acquired over time, and it was for that reason that the magic was able to sneak up on her, startling her from her spot on the rocks and sending her tumbling into the lake below in the early days of their time sharing the clearing. I was sure Anwen would deny ever having been caught out by the magic's tricks if I ever brought it up with her. But I couldn't help but chuckling at what the magic, Amalia, had revealed to me in the shadows. I asked the magic if it had a voice, or if it preferred to be heard in other ways. It showed me a shadow of the cave behind the falls, and scrawled across the wall of the den that we ought to listen closer to the sounds that tumble over the cliff top and swell in that cave behind the waterfall. The magic told us that that was where hearing was best, if we ever wished to seek its counsel. I'd yet to show Devani the cave behind the waterfall, but in time, we would learn that the magic did indeed have a voice of its own. A wise one, with just a thread of mischief running through it. I'd always considered the magic just that. Magic. I had reduced it, in a sense, and assumed that when it didn't do my bidding, it was simply sleeping or hadn't heard me. It transpired that the magic had a life of its own. Things it wanted and would help with, and things it did not and would not be of assistance with. Discoveries and friendships had been made and forged beside the falls, some more than others. It wished to usher along and certainly some people that it hoped to draw back to nightfalls over and over again to keep it company. The night wore on, and eventually the magic retreated. We could no longer see it in the shadows on the wall of the kite, nor could we feel it in the air around us. The answers it had granted me that night had lifted a weight from me and cleared my mind of the questions that had crowded it. A deep sense of peace and understanding wrapped itself around me and suddenly I felt more than ready for sleep. The night had been a long and relaxing one already 
And as the magic disappeared into the forest thicket in search of a slumber of its own, I asked Devani if she might like to come with me to the cave behind the waterfall the next morning. She seemed to share in my intrigue, and we made plans to swim across the lake early the next day and listen out for the magic's voice tumbling over the cliff top. We wandered down to the beach and wrapping heavy blankets around ourselves, laid back upon its soft sands. I drew in all of the light and beauty in the night sky above me with a deep breath in. And as I exhaled, I found myself drifting off into a deep and peaceful sleep.